0: This is the Nearside Low Podcast brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low or Instagram at Nearside Low underscore podcast. And here we are, week four i think yes episode four this coach ray i'll tell you what you got everything labeled on here here i'm spitballing is it episode three or four it says episode four right here wonderful anyhow episode four um with your hosts charlie and ray and ray welcome back everybody um We're here after a, uh, I know, Ray, you didn't have a spring break, but I had a relatively restful spring break here in St. Louis. Um, Had some good weather, um, had some polo practices, um, watched a water polo game or two, Um, but as we always like to start, question of the week recap, Ray, I'm falling on the knife for this one because, ah, burning the candle at both ends and I never ended up putting our favorite Chicago nemesis, but I will say that. I love playing Fenwick and Stevenson. I don't know if the Longhorns ever have gotten to play Lions um, in a tournament. We've been to some tournaments with them, uh, but I don't think we've ever gotten to match up with them. But um, I know that they're exciting. I think uh, Slew has played them a couple times before, and that's always exciting to see. And So I'm sure there's some other teams. But I, I'd say, hey, those are the big three. No offense to the other Chicago teams out there. Um, anyhow, so uh, yeah. That's uh, me kind of just glossing over that. Let's move on to our new question of the week. That, Ray, I promise, because I feel so guilty about our last question of the week, I will put this one up. Let's talk about it. Water polo feeds. What do you got?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's been great to see all these teams posting where they can watch their games. Um, I've watched a number of them, and uh, just throwing it out there, what's, what's your what's the extra um, other than the video feed to uh, your enjoyment of these water polo um videos that are being posted. So um a couple things I came up with is one just having a scoreboard or a score on the screen. I know as I watched a couple games uh, earlier this spring, it was always tough like trying to remember who was on top, what the Amen. score was. Amen. Yeah. Our scoreboard was <laughs> broken. So it was like uh <laughs> so scores uh scores one two Here are commentators uh I know coach, you were saying that one of the feeds you were watching, uh, had some commentators, but, um, I was watching a college game and it made, it made, made things a lot better. Just, I mean, more entertaining to have somebody there, uh, talking about things. So, uh, two is commentators. Uh, three is a comment section. I've, I've, i i I kind of laugh at some of the comments that are sometimes posted in the comment sections, but, um, it does, it does allow for some interplay between the fans and, uh, Um, just keep it it PC uh, folks. Keep it PC. (laughs) Um, and then four is just, uh, if, if they'd be able to have multiple, uh, cameras or angles, I know, uh, most, most places just have one camera, which works out fine, but, um, whether if if they're able to have two cameras and zoom in, if that would be, uh, if that would be the thing you would pick. So those are, those are the four things I, I would say. Um, Coach, any, any thoughts on
0: that? Uh, hey, I think it's great. I, I, watched, I just watched a little bit of the Shamanad slew game the other day, and the commentators, I'm, I'm guessing, were two Shamanad students. And I thought they did a heck of a job. So uh, it was enjoyable to hear them, you know, kind of talk through the game. They, they gave everybody's last name because they could see numbers and talking about scoring goals and who's doing what. And uh, it was good. It was fun. It was kind of a it was a little interesting take. Um, better than that, kind of, you know, there, I've had some feeds that are totally quiet. There's no audio. Um, and then there's the Parkway West feed that you can't hear anything anyways cause it's so bloody loud in the pool, but Hey, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And you know, this is new for everybody, right? So it's kind of one of those things that I'm sure we'll get, um, we'll get a little bit better, um, as we, uh, as we roll on the season. So yeah, we'll get that posted and, uh, hopefully we'll get some boats. Uh, we got zero last week, right? But again, I, I'm,
1: I'm taking <laughs> technical difficulties. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Recap of games. Let's talk about that. Um, what do you got, man? I, I know you paid a little more close attention than I did over break as far as who was playing. We really didn't have too much going on, but a couple highlights.
1: Yeah, not, not very many games. Did have a couple JV games on Saturday. I uh, wanted to throw a shout-out to Nikki Barella at CBC, picking up her first win um, in the JV uh, CBC win over to Smet. Um, Sluby Chaminade 11-7. to Interesting score. I, I don't think uh, – a lot of teams would have expected that close of a game a couple of years ago. So uh, that was the first game for both those teams. So we'll be interesting to watch them uh, as we have games coming up this week.
0: Okay, good. Uh, water polo in the news. I was contacted by. Uh, Greg Uptain of STL Today, and they are putting together a players to watch uh, feed, um, and I think they've done that for some other spring sports already, and so kind of water pillows in line to get that done. So um, I'm I'm assuming that'll maybe come out in the next couple of days or so, um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he picked, and uh, and yeah, it'll be a little. Uh, I think it'll kind of be our first foray into STL Today. So um, yeah. so that'll be fun, um, and then Ray, what do you got? Oakville video. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we talked to Brett Walters last week on here. I was very happy to have him on. Um, And I saw on their Twitter feed, OHS Water Polo, uh, looks like their school district's coming up with a video about their girls team. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, just more publicity about girls water polo, which is great.
0: Okay, wonderful. Um, Let's see, upcoming tournaments. We don't really have any tournaments, but we do have some upcoming games. Most people are coming back from spring break and things are going to start heating
1: up. So what do we got in store this week, Ray? A couple good games, some of which may have happened by the time this comes out. But uh, SLU plays Parkway Central on Wednesday. Uh, Very interested to see Parkway Central against SLU. Uh, Parkway South uh, against Kirkwood on Thursday, as well as Ladue Lindbergh. Two uh, games there against, I think, comparable teams. Ladue will play South on Friday. And then on Friday, there's also Ladue girls against the Oakville girls. Um, should be, uh, that should also be a competitive game. So as we talk about things kind of pick up after spring break and this week, we're actually having, having games to talk about. So we're going to talk about our top 10 here shortly, but, uh, I think we're going to have a lot more clarity after, uh this next week of games right
0: right i I agree things will things will shake themselves out so uh we mentioned last week that uh dave jimenez worked to put together a top 10 he sent out an email uh voting ballot for everybody and i think that was released was it yesterday i think it was released yesterday so we've got our we've got our top 10 and in a particular order number one, Slough, two Parkway West, three Kirkwood, four Clayton, five Ledoux, six DeSmet, seven Lindbergh, eight MICDS, nine Parkway Central, and ten Eureka. Ray, initial thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. There's some teams that you don't typically see here, which I think reflects uh, just the unknown of how some of these teams are going to match up with so many new players. Now, if you look at teams receiving votes, I mean, there are a ton of teams that also got votes that weren't. Weren't ranked. I mean, right. looking at this top, looking at this top ten, I mean, some that stick out to me immediately. at, at four is Clayton, which is probably the first time Clayton has been ranked um, that highly in the top ten, maybe since Alan Stiffelman played there. So it, it's it's been a while, uh, but I mean, great to see. Great to see. We'll see how that shapes up. I know um, they have uh, they lost to Eureka and then um, beat Melville, but they have not played very many games yet. So we'll see. Um, how that goes as the season progresses, and then uh, Eureka at ten, another another team. Hopefully, uh, curious to see them. But I, I mean, getting on the wool train, baby. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there you go. Um, so, uh, so I mean, Slu Parkway West, Slu and Parkway West both at the top, uh, and Kirkwood up there as well. Um, I think it, kind of what we expected, and also, um, I mean, it, we talked about last week. I think there are teams that aren't even in the top ten that I think could end up in the top four. And, well, I mean, these teams are going to have to battle it out. So I think that's uh, exciting. It's not necessarily as we've heard in the last couple of years that there's a unanimous number one or number two. I mean, there's going to be some movement coming up.
0: There sounds like there is also a girls' top ten.
1: Yeah, first girls' top ten ever in Missouri, which is awesome. Thanks, uh, Dave, for getting that out there. Girls' top ten, Marquette, number one, Oakville, number two, Ladue, number three, Lafayette, number four, Parkway North, number five, and Lindbergh, number six. Um, it, I mean, I, I'm, I have not gotten to see many of these teams yet. I, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, I mean, Marquette has had the strongest team the last couple of years. I know Scott Summers, uh, he coaches that team out there, uh, loves, uh, loves coaching that group. And I know he's got a strong group, uh, at least one going to play in college next year. So, uh, yeah, th- I mean, this is going to be fun to watch too. And hopefully uh, this year we've got six teams in that pool. Hopefully next year we'll be, we'll be going toward a full top ten.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so uh, it should be an exciting week, and we'll, we'll have a better view of that uh, by Friday, I think. So um, we've got a guest on this week, uh, Coach Tom Ray. Uh, for those of you that know Coach Tom Ray, uh, he is the, I guess, the founding father of Cage Cap and uh, a goalie coach in the St. Louis area. Um, super enjoyable to talk with him and kind of learn a little bit more about a position that, um, Ray, I'll be honest, I take the laissez-faire attitude with the goalkeeper's. Um, so, uh, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, he's got a lot, a lot of great stuff. Um, so pretty excited to have him on. So you get to check him out in about the next five or 10 seconds. Um, that kind of wraps us up for episode four. Ray, do you want to leave us with anything?
1: Yeah, no, I'll just say, I, I, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation with Tom. Ray goalies are always something that when I'm coaching, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm mean, having to think about it a little bit more than some of the other positions, but I think it's an area that is coaches and athletes uh, can definitely definitely grow at. So I know in St. Louis we've had a, a number of great goalie, goalkeepers over the years. I mean, I always enjoy playing with uh, Lance Clark and Boris when I, when I get in the pool. But, uh, yeah, I would love to uh, get some feedback on this, but Tom's got some great points. Uh, hope, hope you enjoy our conversation.
0: All righty. Uh, that's us. We are signing off. And here we are, our Nearside Low podcast, with our special guest this week, goalie coach extraordinaire, Tom Wright. Welcome, coach. Welcome.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you uh, very much for the invitation to join you both. Uh, it is, you know, it's exciting here in 2021 to see how many water polo-related podcasts there are, uh, but there weren't that many when the Nearside Low podcast first debuted. So I'm uh, very pleased, very, it's very cool to spend some time with you. Uh, here today. So thanks okay. for having
0: me. Hey, rumor has it we were the first, but I don't know. Ray, can you confirm
1: that? <laughs> I, I think that rumor is true, but uh yes, right. there's certainly been a lot more that pop, that's popped up. So cool.
0: Cool. All right. So uh, as we always like to do with our uh, guests, we like to get a little background information. So if you could maybe kind of tell us how you got involved in water polo and uh, what you're up to now.
2: Sure. Happy to do so. And I, I don't want to start too far back, but I find when I Share how I came to water polo. It seems to resonate with, uh, with a lot of players. You know, I was uh, born and raised here in St. Louis. Uh, being from St. Louis, I grew up playing soccer uh, all year round, and I was a, a summer swim team member um, throughout uh, my youth. And I was actually introduced to the sport uh, shortly before high school by my uh, summer swim team coach, a guy by the name of Mike Zarilli. Uh, He taught me how to tread water, and he uh, encouraged me to pursue water polo. So the first time I actually uh, touched a water polo ball was the first day of tryouts as a high school freshman. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, make the team then as a goalkeeper, and that was the the start of my uh, water polo career. You know, I played uh, as a lot of uh, people from my generation. I played Daisy uh, water polo uh, with Coach Don Casey, who uh, exposed me to uh, opportunities outside of the St. Louis region and at the uh, national level of obviously going to be uh, and continue to be indebted to him. And then I was later recruited to play in college. Uh, I chose to play uh, on the East Coast at Boston College, which at the time was a Division I program. I played there all four years. I also uh, was lucky enough to serve as an assistant coach on their women's uh, club team. And then following college, I continued my education and eventually transitioned uh, into coaching. And uh, my focus uh, now is uh, coaching
1: the water polo uh, goalkeeper. All right. So, and uh, you've been coaching now uh, in St. Louis for about the last 10 years or so. Is that about right, Tom? Yeah, I
2: graduated from uh, Boston College in 1998 and started to really transition back into coaching uh, right about the 2008, 2009
1: timeframe. Awesome. So real quick story that I, that I, that I always tell about Tom, I, I was uh, at slew high my junior or senior year. And I, I remember seeing this guy on the side of the pool deck. We didn't really know who it was, but this guy wearing a shirt that said defense wins games, goalies win championships. And I remember as a high schooler being like, who is this guy? Like, what's he talking about? But if, as I've grown older, I've become uh, I've come to believe that more and more I mean not only in water polo seeing how goalies can change games but I mean even with Jordan Biddington and, and the blues um, so um, as I've gotten older I've come to respect the goalie position even more and more so um, so moving on to the next question uh, what what drew you to the goalie position initially. You know, if I'm
2: being candid, I didn't really choose uh, the goalkeeper position. I think probably it's more accurate to say that the position uh, chose me. You know, I've always been a defensive-minded athlete by nature, regardless of the sport that I've been playing. And, uh, you know, probably the third day of high school tryouts, uh, the then St. Louis U High coach, Charlie Busenhardt, walked up and just asked me a simple question, which was whether or not I was afraid of a water polo ball. Um, I told him No. Uh, He stuck me in a a shallow end cage, and now, you know, some 30 years later, uh, I've never left uh, the cage, which is, uh, it's incredibly humbling for me. Um, It it just goes to show you that uh, the sport of water polo has truly uh, given more to me uh, than anything I'd ever be able to give back to it, and I'm just so thankful to still be a part of it today, particularly uh, as a coach being able to work with goalkeepers and teams and, and coaches.
0: Okay, so uh, let's talk about uh, Cage Cap a little bit. I know when I when I first met you, uh, you were stalking the sidelines of Jungle Cap practice with your bandana on, and I mean you coach with with passion. And uh, you know, I have kind of feel like I've watched Cage Cap grow um, into this kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of big now. I mean, wouldn't you agree? It sounds like you're you're doing stuff across the country, Zoom calls. Are you? Uh, would I be wrong in thinking you're training even non-water polo goalies at times and stuff like that? So, talk to us a little bit about Cage Cap.
2: Sure. Um, And that's 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 very kind of you uh, to say, you know, again, I've been I've been incredibly fortunate and I've received uh, a ton of support uh, from a lot of different people. But, you know, listen, Cage Cap is it's an organization that is truly focused on teaching and expanding on solid quality goalkeeper fundamentals And, and doing that with literally anybody who's willing to put in the time. Uh, effort and commitment to learn and grow. That's male or female. It's regardless of age. It's regardless of experience. It's regardless of geographic location. It's regardless of your ability to compensate me in any way, shape, or form. It's really about this idea of the union uh, of goalkeepers. And and your point's a good one, Charlie. I have been lucky enough to work with uh, teams and and goalkeepers outside of uh, the water polo context. But Water polo truly is the area where I'm most comfortable because it allows me to be in the water. And that's really something that's important to me from a training perspective because I try to do it uh, and I do do it in the water, uh, side by side with goalkeepers, again, either individually, camps, clinics, uh, coaching staff. And so the term, you know, cage cap, it actually is just the name that allows me to identify the work that I do uh, at all different levels across the country. Uh, with players and coaches under, you know, that simple name. And, and, you know, you mentioned my ability to work with people and I, let me just take a moment to give you an idea of just people who've really helped me uh, expand from being a guy with a, with a bandana walking along a, a, you know, the deck of a pool to being fortunate enough to work with some really great coaches and great players. You know, you got a guy like Paul uh who actually supported me as a young goalkeeper at JOS in Florida Uh, When we were playing on a team together and he, you know, he supports me to this day, Uh, Nick Helwig, who's a coach up in Ohio who, you know, he works tirelessly to truly improve goalkeeper play for the Midwest and that East region. You got Miguel Figueres, who everyone's familiar with uh, who continues to improve goalkeeper play on the national level. And then somebody like Jani Kerr, who uh, literally is an ambassador uh, of the sport who has allowed me to uh, work with him and his goalkeepers Uh, through his five meter camps throughout the country. And I mean, obviously the same can be said for uh, you, Charlie, and you, Ray. I mean, you allow me to work with both of you, work with your players. And that's really something that's been, I think, most rewarding for me is seeing the trust that a player and a coach uh, put in me uh, to work with them. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for it. And it's certainly a responsibility that I take, uh, very, very seriously as I know most coaches do as well. So I'm just, I I guess I'm, I'm very, very lucky. Uh, why don't I, why don't I leave it at that?
0: So was this something, I mean, did you envision it growing to be like this? Was this kind of how you're like, I, I, you envisioned it eventually becoming, or were you just kind of like, I want to start working with gold, goalkeepers keepers and we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. uh, No, I've, I've, I've I've never envisioned really this to be anything uh, more than what it is. And and I've never uh, necessarily asked for that or tried to make it happen. you know, I've I've been a coach in one capacity or another since I was probably 16, teaching swim lessons and being a lifeguard. And, you know, there's something really uh, amazing about this idea of uh, trust and communication. I mean, if you want to really see trust and communication in its most raw form, try to get a three or a four-year-old to put their face in the water or to go underwater. And, uh, and that's just something that's always stuck with me and uh, the ability to uh, feel that I have something to offer to the sport that's offered so much to me. And whether I do that with an individual player or, you know, a, a, a group of 15 players or a group of 50, um, I just, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it. And, uh, I do my best to, to, uh, avoid saying no, when I have the opportunity to work with anybody, whether it's locally here or, uh, or across the nation.
1: Very cool. So, um, obviously you've done a lot to develop goalies. Um, it's, it's early in the high school season now. Um, but what are some things that coaches should be thinking about in developing their goalies during practice? I know a lot of times I see coaches just say, goalies go over there, do your thing. <laughs> um, and sometimes forget about the goalies. So, um, talk, talk a little bit about, um, yeah, just thoughts on coaches developing goalies, especially here early in the season. Yeah. Let,
2: let me share my thoughts maybe in, 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 two separate parts or buckets, you know, um, first is this, I I think coaches, uh, need to intentionally be mindful to set aside, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of every single practice for goalkeeper specific training that is coach supervised. And then I think coaches should consider to set aside one entire practice per week focused entirely on a goalkeeper specific skill now i know that may sound like a lot to ask but then on the flip side of that coin it may sound easy in theory but you would be amazed i mean ray to your point how quickly a coach will rely on goalkeepers to train themselves right you've got two goalkeepers four goalkeepers you know you hear the phrase go do goalkeeper stuff or Mm -hmm. you know you've got a, a coach or a coaching staff that has a, a, an individual coach who's willing to work with those goalkeepers for say that 20 to 30 minute window. And then about five minutes into that goalkeeper specific window, you've had another coach asking, Hey, are the goalkeepers ready to take shots? And so my point there is to encourage any coach to commit to goalkeeper training, uh, and then protect it fiercely protect it throughout your season. That's sort of part one. Part two is, is, is this, um, I'd really encourage coaches to commit to expanding their knowledge of goalkeeper training. Um, we really need collectively to be ensuring that we're training and establishing solid fundamental skills with good habits for goalkeepers. I am not talking about conditioning. I'm talking about this being separate and apart. We're talking about technique and and skill training. So, what does that really look like? All right, let's take that sort of from the theoretical and and put it into what a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday might look like. So, say you've got a 75 or 90 minute practice. All right, I think a coach should be thinking team warm up. Everybody's in there together. Goalkeepers are in there with the field players. You've got some sort of team warm up, and then after that warm off, allow your warm up. Allow your goalkeepers to break off, take that 20 or 30 minutes, and then after that, combine them back in for the team dynamic, whether it's a specific larger team concept, whether it's shooting. You can actually add you know, goalkeeper-specific shooting drills that, that bring in the, the team as a whole. And that brings me to sort of the second aspect. What does that goalkeeper-only practice look like? Well, it's just that. You're figuring out a way to really hone in on a specific goalkeeper skill, and you'd be amazed how much benefit such a practice will have, actually not just for the goalkeepers, but for your field players as well. Um, It gets everybody committed as a group, as a team, to actually tangibly contributing to making their goalkeepers better. And if you've got field players understanding what a goalkeeper is being trained to do and the why for what they're doing, it's probably going to make them better shooters and vice versa with the goalkeeper interacting uh, with those with those field players. Listen, uh, you know, Ray, kind of to the, the point you made earlier uh, about sort of the slogan in you know, my T-shirt that I had made for four bucks at Johnny Max, uh, <laughs> which was probably all the money I had in my bank account. But, you know, hey, good goalkeeper, great team. Bad goalkeeper, horrible team. And so when you think about this idea, defense wins games, goalkeepers win championships. Listen, people roll their eyes when I say it. But, I mean, I absolutely believe that to be true. And, you, you know, you mentioned the context of hockey. You know, I believe it to be true across all sports, uh, not just water polo. And I think it is worth the investment for coaches to really start to structure practices with their goalkeepers in mind.
1: Oh. All right. Well, and, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, one follow-up question I wanted to ask, which uh, was one that just came to me as you were talking about this. When, you, when you're looking to select goalies at the beginning of the season, what are you Looking for, I feel like oftentimes around here, people are like finding the guy that can't swim or um, like, like, like stopping the ball. But what, 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 what should coaches be looking for in trying to pick a goalie? Well, let me,
2: let's maybe talk about two things. Number one, let me, let's talk specifically about that process. And then let's talk a little bit about maybe characteristics you should be keeping in mind throughout that process. That is one of the most common questions I get from coaches all over at either the club level or the high school level. How do you select someone to be your next goalkeeper? And so let me just share with you some of my thoughts, my opinions. I am not a a huge fan of positional play or positional specialization at the early ages. Uh, I am much more, again, at those earlier ages, I prefer players to play every position. And that includes the goalkeeper position as long as possible, rotating players Uh, in getting different looks and different exposure to the game. But when a program starts looking to select a goalkeeper, whether you have players with goalkeeper experience or not, I recommend that you never, never ask a player if they're specifically interested in the goalkeeper position. I mean, my experience is that you can't really ask a kid if he or she is interested in something if they haven't really tried it before or they haven't had a, a meaningful experience, you're not going to get a meaningful response. And so what I uh, tell people quite often is, listen, you're going to usually have two or three field players who are your top field players. They are field players. They're going to remain field players, and they're going to stay in that role moving forward. After that, I think you should consider every other player in the pool as a potential goalkeeper and i think you should be trying all of them out taking a look at them for at least a week or more with the idea could they be a potential goalkeeper for what it's worth you know two weeks is about the minimum amount of time i will spend if i've been asked to try and locate a goalkeeper for a for a club or a, or a high school team and what you're really looking for there as a coach is your best all-around athlete somebody who's naturally competitive, they're coachable. Um, you know, I'll talk here about maybe some qualities or characteristics, and it can take some time to try and identify that, all right? So, so that's sort of the first thing that, that I would certainly encourage um, coaches to do. Don't limit who might be your goalkeeper. So what are you looking for, Ray, which I think also kind of goes to the question that you're asking. You know, that's another great question. You could probably ask 100 people You'll likely get different answers, but I think most answers would include, you know, some of these characteristics, and this is in no particular order, you know, strong legs, right? They've, they've got a fundamentally sound egg beater. Uh, courage, a good reaction time, uh, mobility and flexibility, which is the opposite of sort of the body type that, Ray, you were, you were commenting on that we see sometimes. Overall fitness, intelligence. Physical size is something you hear about, but, you know, what about personality? Somebody who's, you know, stable, they're emotionally mature, they've got confidence, positivity, they've got leadership. Listen, all too often, I think uh, coaches, and this I think has changed over time, which is great for the sport, but there's been uh, uh, too much of an emphasis or focus on physical characteristics first, and then some of these other characteristics Uh, are brought up later in the conversation, second, third, fourth in line. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Physicality, those physical characteristics play a role, right? The cage is 10 feet wide. Um, But not every goalkeeper is going to be 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". I mean, listen, I'm I'm six feet even. Uh, When I was 18, I probably weighed 140 pounds soaking wet. And so as a goalkeeper, we each have to find our own way to success. I mean, that certainly was true uh, for me. But, you know, when you start talking about all these different characteristics that coaches should keep in mind, um, I believe there's a combination of three things. uh, A, that make a very good goalkeeper, and then B, that encompass virtually all of those characteristics that we're talking about here. Um, And let me just run through them quickly. The first is grit, right? This idea of uh, someone who's got grit, effort, a kid who is going to put in the effort to get better and learn and never stop learning. And then talent. I mean, some players are more talented than others. Some have different physical characteristics than others that are a benefit. And I think that combination of grit, effort, and talent, if you can look at it from those three buckets, you're going to really start to hone in on who fills that role. You know, listen, the goalkeepers that I have the privilege of working with, they typically come in with some of those qualities in varying quantities, and what I'm just trying to do is build on those qualities while instilling, again, those fundamental skills, um, you know, that lead to quality goalkeeper development and quality uh, play.
0: Well, Tom, I, I'll admit I'm uh, I'm guilty. I, I usually ask my kids, uh, "Did you play for uh, Tom Rayo in the off season?" And if they say yes, I, I'm like, "All right, you know how to warm up. Get on over there." So. Uh, I will, uh, you know what, after talking to you though, I might, I'm going to have to reset and change my tune tomorrow. So you've made me a believer coach. (laughs) Well,
2: you know, one of the things that I do try and do is I, I, I try to keep it simple, right? I try not to make things uh, too complex and there has to be a recognition that you've only got so much pool time. You've only got so much pool space. Maybe you have one coach that is trying to juggle all these different players. And I will tell you one of the most rewarding things for me to see is when an individual goalkeeper unintentionally starts coaching him or herself, meaning they realize, they learn from a specific shot or a specific play that they should have done something differently. And when you've got a player that can do that, regardless of level, whether you're playing at the highest level of competition or you're just starting out, that's, that is just so impressive to see. And you really know you've got a goalkeeper that's on the right track. And if they're left to their own devices – um, they still might be making the right decisions to improve themselves, and you can't beat that. Yeah,
0: all right. Well, and I, I always say I feel like something that you do well is uh, you instill this like this kind of confidence in, in people. Like They, they want to go and challenge. They want to make saves, and um, it, it's fun to see that competitive nature come out of the goalies that you work with, and I feel like some of those kids, if they had not worked with you, might not have been as as willing to step out of the cage and, and challenge somebody one-on-one and stuff like that. So I love it. I think it's
1: great. Well, thank you. I, I yeah. really appreciate that. that. Means a lot. So, Tom, who are some of the goalies that have really impressed you? Either that be at a national level or in the area. Um, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um,
2: let me share with you some of my favorites. Uh, you know, this is these are always the, the 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 great conversations you have, regardless of sport, right? Baseball player, those types of things. But let me share with you, I guess, some people who uh, just immediately come to mind. Um, the first first goalkeeper I want to mention is is American Craig Wilson. Um, he will forever be the standard as the water polo goalkeeper, in my opinion. You know, if you don't know who Craig Wilson is, uh, I would encourage you. Uh, To learn more, because what he did is he set the standard for what a water polo goalkeeper is and should be, but he didn't do it just at the national level. He actually did it at the international level uh, while he played the game. Um, And and he certainly was. um, He was a role model for me. He was an inspiration for me to want to be better. Uh, and really just immerse myself in the position in the game. And, and uh, uh, although I've never met him and, and uh, it may, may never, it, it was it's somebody who uh, will never know what an impact he had on certainly my life and, and my, uh, my career in water polo. Um, I'll also tell you, I am a huge fan of Betsy Armstrong and Ashley Johnson. Uh, those are two goalkeepers who are not just fantastic goalkeepers, but they actually uh, transcend the sport and the goalkeeper position. Uh, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Ray, uh, as we talk about this idea of the union of goalkeepers uh, to be universal, regardless of sport, um, uh, I'm going to go uh, back to my early roots with soccer. And uh, Tim Howard and Hope Solo, I believe, are the two best American goalkeepers to, uh, to ever play the game. And so when you, when you look at these individuals that I'm talking about and consider some of the qualities and traits and characteristics uh, that we've touched upon, I think they're just great examples for any player out there, whether you're new to the sport, new to the position, or you've you know been doing this uh, for for a few decades, as I have, to constantly take a look
1: at as a reminder of of what we're all trying to achieve. Awesome. So as we get ready to wrap up here, I want to end with a question we've talked a little bit about, but how can we in St. Louis do a better job of developing goalies? What are the next steps? Well, I think. I think really dedicating practice time
2: in a structured way with coach supervision um, to really focus in on some fundamental skills uh, and allow these goalkeepers the opportunity, right, to work on those and improve on those. I think goes a long way. Uh, one of the most difficult scenarios for me to walk into in any given situation is working with a goalkeeper who's been the been in the position a year two years, four years, and there are two or three really, really bad habits, right? They are, they are not fundamentally sound. And to try and turn that train around after it's left the station and it's so far down the, the tracks is, is difficult. And so, you know, going back to this idea of expanding your coaching knowledge um, and uh, really, really honing in on a goalkeeper's needs and, and helping address those, I think, goes a long way. But the other thing is this, I would encourage goalkeepers to advocate for themselves, I think goalkeepers should be seeking out as many opportunities as they can to train, to learn, and to improve, not just within either their club or team setting, but outside of that club or team setting. And that includes opportunities outside of your hometown. I mean, there are water polo opportunities all over this country. Uh, You don't have to go only to California. Uh, to 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 improve and get involved in, in different opportunities to to learn and train and do those types of things. So I think there's also a responsibility there on an individual goalkeeper, not just a coaching staff, to, to want to improve themselves. Listen, the better goalkeeper play you have for your team, I mean the better overall water polo you're gonna have, whether it's you know state, district, your league, you know, whatever level of competition. And, and that's what we all should want. You know, better players faced with better competition day in and day out. And I just, I think goalkeepers are absolutely critical uh, to making that
1: happen. I completely agree. So Tom, really appreciate all, all that you've brought up in this conversation. I know that I've, I've gotten a few tidbits from it. I think this is going to be very valuable to, to everyone listening for those, uh, for those goalkeepers interested in, uh, training with you or even some of the coaches I think would probably be interested in talking to you more how do they get in contact with you and what's the best way of getting involved with cage Cap?
2: sure th- thanks for the question you know um, probably the easiest way is to uh, check out the website which is cagecap.com one word cagecap.com there's contact information uh, there for me uh, phone email uh, there's also more information about obviously myself and the program and the things that we do, uh, and I'm happy to work with uh, anybody anywhere. Is, is uh, you know cage cap in its purest form is me a laptop in my backpack, um, and so what I what I tell coaches and goalkeepers is that uh, our geographic limitation is uh, anywhere that's a four to six hour drive from an airport that Southwest Airlines flies into. Um, so we can pretty much get anywhere from, uh, from our location here in the middle of the United States. So, uh, we're happy to do whatever we can to support goalkeepers, uh, and coaches, whether it's individually in a team setting or, uh, you know, camps and clinics, uh, uh, within their, within their town. So I appreciate you asking and and allowing me to share that information. Okay. Awesome. Cagecap.com. Uh, Ray, you got anything else you want to add? I do not.
0: All righty. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you poolside. So uh, thank you. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are signing off.